welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum War. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Punch It! Episode 84. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Hello, Tristan. We are here today to do one of our very favorite things. We are going to write something on the fly. We have no idea where we're going to go with it. I have zero ideas going in. I don't know about you. My whiteboard is as just squeaky clean as can possibly be. And we're going to spin something out of nothing today. What do you think about that? This is one of our favorite things for multiple reasons. First, because it's a lot of fun. It draws on our complete encyclopedic knowledge of the history of Trek and every episode we've ever seen and every character we know. And so it really tests us. It stretches us. And <laughs> yes, sometimes it does. It can be really great. It can be just okay. But the second reason is because we need to do zero research and can just turn on the mic and go <laughs> and have no preparation. It's true. I mean, for the lack of preparation, we make up for it in being on right now and spinning gold out of absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's creating something out of nothing except just a knowledge of Trek. We all do it, whether you know it or not, whether you're a writer or not, or a researcher or not, no matter what your profession is, if you are a Star Trek fan, we have all done this, whether it's out loud or inside our own heads. We have thought about what it would be like, and we ask ourselves, what if? And we, say, we yes. see a bad to mediocre episode, and we're just kind of like, wouldn't it be better if they did this or if they did that? It'd be interesting if this character did this or did that or hooked up with that person. It's all in our heads, and it's all just our own fiction, and we're just having to record it for you guys. That's right. And you know what? Imagination is good. It's a good exercise. We should all do more of it. It's true. It's it's funny. I've been actually, uh, my wife and I, we've been uh, watching Community, mm -hmm. and we could never really get into it before. We've tried it a couple of times, and we just saw the first couple of episodes, and we're like, eh, it's not really us. So many of our friends are talking about it, but it's just not for us. We said we're like, okay, we're going to give it a real college try, and now we're addicted. We're on season <laughs> four already, or in the middle of season four, and oh, wow. there's this one character, Abed, who has a uh, dreamatorium. It's the second bedroom of his apartment. Troy and Abed use it, but it's really Abed's, and they painted it to make it look like a TNG holodeck. Nice. And that's straight up what it is. Like, it's a, it's a total ripoff on purpose. But they call it the Dreamatorium. And what they do is it's just an imagination space for them. They literally just walk in and imagine that they're someplace else. And it makes me laugh because it, it's deemed silly for adults to do that. And while that can be silly for adults, I think we need to have those creative outlets. We need to have those moments and those times where it's just pure creation, where you don't worry about budget. You don't worry about having to go out and get the materials. You just think crap up and create yeah. stories like you're around a campfire and, and just making it on the fly. That's such a healthy thing too, which is why I do think we need to do more of it in our lives. It's good to disconnect. We all need a break from reality. We need creative outlets. We need things to make us happy. 
And while I love this idea of like an actual room that's a holodeck, that's an imagination space, you know, you don't need a physical space. We've got it all right here in Mm -hmm. our brains. We can do it at will with a little bit of discipline. (laughs) Right. So why don't we exercise a little discipline right now, start crafting something, anything. Let's go ahead and clean off the, the whiteboard, make it nice and clean. Now, have I told you that I actually have a whiteboard in my new house? It's set up in my office. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll take a photo and then I'll put it on Twitter so that everybody can see it. It's a smaller (laughs) whiteboard, but it is indeed a whiteboard. And I put it up because of our podcast. Side note, side note. You and I live far apart. Yes. I live in the Chicagoland area. You live in the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area. Yes. And we wish that we were together more, obviously, because we're friends. Oh, totally. And... I would love if this existed where the holodeck existed, but it was also like a mix of Sunkatsi where we could broadcast our holographic selves to each other and into a room. Wouldn't that be cool? And I think it's funny because you and I would just stand together in front of literally a whiteboard and write this stuff down. Like, what we would, would we do? We yeah. would. And then we could record it. People could see us sketching it all out. And the thing is, is you could have a holographic whiteboard. It could be as big and ginormous as we could possibly want. No budget necessary. It would all be so amazing. Damn it, why don't we have holodecks? Damn it. No. There's <laughs> there's so many times like we're uh, like my wife and I are watching all these docs on Netflix about like future tech and what's possible and what they're working towards and we're just like just I want it now. I'm tired of waiting 5 to 10 years. Forget even the holodeck. Let's just get a transporter so that I can come to Chicago or you can come to LA. We'll buy the stinking whiteboard and there we go. Done. <laughs> It's true. We don't need a holographic one. Okay, well, let's go ahead and write the story. I mean, all we have done for preparation is decide we're going to do something on the fly, blank slate. Is there any particular direction, any series, any character, any particular area of Star Trek lore that gives us a direction that we want to go in? Because I've got nothing. For real, nothing. Well, usually what we do is we start... When we had just a Voyager podcast, we're like, okay, what character have we not focused on in a long time? True. Well, because there was kind of like a finite amount, just like seven or so, you know, seven mm-hmm. characters that we had to choose from. Now we have a whole bunch more. Yeah. And so I feel like we need to start with what show should we start with? I feel like the last time we did this, I feel like we might have visited Voyager again. And oh, You know, it's been a long time, but I think you're right. And then I think maybe the time before that, it was DS9 maybe TOS and there was a stretch yeah. when we did a lot of TNG yeah what are you itching to do because I kind of feel like we could do anything and get away with it we're not overkilling anything I feel like we might need to do Enterprise I'm down with that I'm down for some more five so you're comfortable with doing Enterprise all right let's sure. go ahead and do that then let's do that then so Enterprise which character should we focus on we got Archer, we got T'Pol, we got Reed, we got Trip, we got Yoshi, we got Malcolm. The last time that we did Enterprise, I believe we kind of retconned Trip and T'Pol into our own little canon space. <laughs> so we can't go there. And then before that, we did a Travis Mayweather story. So that leaves everybody else. <laughs> we have talked a little bit about Flocks. Right. Yeah, we, we did just recently do that. And his polyamorous relationships, yeah. What about Hoshi? She's such an unknown. They did not give that character justice. Yes, Hoshi, and I just accidentally called her Yoshi when I was listing off characters. (laughs) Are you playing some Mario lately? Oh my gosh, like... (laughs) 
Oh, that's Mario Kart. Yes. <laughs> so let's ignore that I just did that. So Hoshi. Yeah, I feel like Hoshi could get some love. The problem with Hoshi is the problem with Hoshi. It, it, it's that. <laughs> yes, it's paradoxical, isn't it? It's kind of like the problem with Beverly is that there's so little to work with. Right. So, I mean, we're going to have to do some serious building if we work with her. Do you want to do some like future stuff? Like what happened to Hoshi later on? Do we want, like, yeah. here's the thing. Do we want to do pre-Enterprise, during Enterprise, or post-Enterprise? Let's go post-Enterprise. I kind of like the idea of maybe shaping Hoshi's future. So according to Memory Alpha, Hoshi Sato, she told Travis that she was going to go back to Brazil just for a little bit after the ship was decommissioned. Now, the thing is, the ship was decommissioned in 2161, and she was still an ensign. Yeah, okay, wait, 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 wait. She was an ensign that whole time? Total Harry Kim syndrome. Absolutely, 100%. What the hell? I have no idea what's going on, but uh. it says that she retired from Starfleet in the mid-2160s, so just four or five years later, but she retired as lieutenant commander. So as an ensign, that's lieutenant junior grade, lieutenant senior grade, and then lieutenant commander. So she jumped up three ranks within four, maybe five years. Okay, Granted, she was massively overdue for a promotion, but really? What could have possibly happened in those few years to make her jump that quickly? Let's talk about it. Let's do that. Now, do we want to connect this at all to what she does just after her Starfleet years, which is kind of solidifying the Universal Translator? That's kind of like her big claim to fame is that's what she's known for. I think we can tie it together. I have something in mind well, okay. I, I guess let's let's jump to the end real quick. I think maybe that's what causes her to retire from Starfleet, where they give her the rank of lieutenant commander and because like she did something awesome. But then she's like, you know what? I want to focus on the UT and I can't do that as a member of Starfleet. I'm going to go to like the Daystrom Institute or something like that, something that we know where we're like, I need to work on this full time. I can't be on a starship flying around. I got to be focusing on this full time, something like that. So maybe mm -hmm. that's why she retires, but she can still contribute to Starfleet as well as the Federation, right. but just not as, a, not as a traveling member. Now, do you suppose, this is just a random idea, she decided to leave Starfleet to maybe go from world to world, absorbing various languages and then incorporating them into the Universal Translator Matrix? Now, you would think that serving on a Starfleet ship, that would enable her to do that, but... A lot of times, a mission, you go there, something happens, it resolves itself or doesn't, and then you're mm -hmm. off to the next planet. Maybe she needed more time there, and maybe that is what prompted her to say, no, 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 no. I need to be here like two months minimum to absorb this language, this culture, these people, and being on a ship, that's just not feasible. I like where your head's going. I like that idea. I think we should go down that thread. But at the same time, we got to think about the limitations of warp back then. And also, yeah. would that really be the best use of her time? Because think about how many different languages are out there, even on one planet. And if she yeah. spent like two months or more on each planet, that's still a huge chunk of her life and not even 0.0001% of what's out there. And right. so... I feel like we might need a clincher, something a little bit more, but I, I like your reasoning as to why she can't be on a starship, but I think it needs to be a little bit more involved. So let's kind of determine the course of that. Maybe we maybe we figure out the ending and then walk our way back. 
okay, I, okay, I like where your instincts are going. What if she finds a planet and it is inhabited by a world that's even more densely populated than Earth and has even more cultures than Earth and even more languages? And she's like, I have never seen a world that is so diverse and multicultural, including Earth, than this planet. And also, they can all understand each other. Ooh, that's a nice little twist. Because if they've got so many different languages going on, like think about what if, you know how like in, uh, let's just say even London, there's different dialects mm-hmm. of English, but they all have their own distinct, what if there's various languages within this culture that vary from territory to territory, however you want to define it. And there's just so much language to possibly absorb. And then if there's the catch that they all understand each other, how and why do they do it? Maybe that's what gets her to leave where she's just like, I have to spend a big chunk of my life here. I cannot leave this place. And maybe the how is maybe what enables her to really solidify the matrix of the universal translator. Maybe there is some I don't know, some algorithm she can program that just helps it really pick up on a language instantly, which is how when they encounter a new race of people, it can take the language, dissect it, and actually make something come out that is semi-coherent. Okay, here's here's the thing is that like so many people have been have criticized the universal translator and saying like, well, well, why aren't their mouths moving like this? Or why can't they do that? And it just gets to the point where you're just like, shut up. It's a TV show. We right. need to just accept that it works and then move on. Because Science what you're talking about. Exactly. Because what you're talking about would be horrible if they actually were sticklers to the rules. It just wouldn't work. No. But there is one reference to the Universal Translator in the original series. Well, there's more than one reference. But there's one specific reference that I'm thinking of. I can't remember the episode. But... Kirk talks about the UT and how it works off of brainwaves. Ooh, okay. That's something that we don't really touch on. Again, even in Enterprise, mm-hmm. it's really just language-based and vocal-based and everything like that. Even in TNG, it's really just, they're like, oh, we need to take some time for the Universal Translate to check the dialect patterns and everything like that. But no mention of brainwaves again. So what if she discovers this planet all of the cultures have different languages, like vastly different languages, but they don't need a universal translator. They just can talk to each other in their native language. And she's like, well, it has to be impossible for one person to know this many languages. So how are they really communicating? Right. And then she cracks the language of it. But then she also cracks that they communicate via brainwaves as well as vocalized language. And that's where she's like, damn, that's what the UT needs to do. But they're not talking telepathically. It's got to be something really highly developed in the brain center that processes language. Yes, yes. Like it's it's brain waves that help interpret the vocalized language and helps them understand it. Yeah, something that no other race she's encountered before has. Yes, exactly. Like I'm so glad that you pointed that out. It's not telepathy. It is somehow some alien thing. Like ears and the mouth and the brain waves all work in tandem thinking of evolution here that maybe this is just what they needed to actually communicate with each other. Yeah, something along those lines. And so that's where she's just like, holy crap, I never thought of that before. I only focus on vocalization. But what if you focus on vocalization along with brainwaves? We have the power, we have the technology, let's do it. And so she changes the Federation forever. Yeah. Oh, this is cool. 
Or maybe, okay, maybe that's what bumps her up to lieutenant commander is that she, at the end of Enterprise, she's a lieutenant junior grade. Uh And then she goes and she discovers this planet. And then she does this thing. They bump her up. They're like, listen, you need to have a commander rank. What we can give you is lieutenant commander. And that's when she's like, you know what? Thank you very much. I developed the UT. I like the modern UT. Thank you very much for the lieutenant commander rank. But I have to make this my number one priority. And so I'm going to continue to perfect this. And that's when she leaves. Do you suppose Starfleet gives her that rank to give her some authority, but with that authority comes responsibilities she doesn't want, and that's why she retires? I think that's perfect. Where it's just like, we're giving you this commission. And maybe she accepts it, but then realizes, I'm now just like an administrator. I got to be in the (laughs) thick of it. I got to keep working. I got to keep doing this. Yeah, she's doing maybe way more paperwork than... Honestly, she has time for because she can't do both things. She's got other responsibilities that come with this rank that she does not want. Maybe mm-hmm. she has to oversee other people or, or something. I don't know. Or she's like the head of a department and she's getting distracted by other things from other people. And she's just like, no, no, this is distracting me from what I really want to do. Bye. Bye, Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that like, it's not like she's not going to help Starfleet out or she's not going to not continue her work with the Federation. It's just, I don't need to be on a starship. I don't need to be on a USS anymore in order to do this job. And she's not necessarily interested in getting a promotion. She's not on a command track. She doesn't want to be a captain someday or anything like that. She's really content and excited and energized by doing what she's doing right now. So right. really, like the rank means nothing to her. Even I... I don't know if it's right to say, but maybe even the commission doesn't necessarily mean anything to her. Maybe she has to come to terms with that. Is This is not congruent with the rest of what I'm doing, if that makes any sense. Because, I mean, if you think about the early days of Hoshi, Archer really had to kind of convince her to go out there. She was happy teaching in Brazil. That's true. I always forget that, that she had to be coaxed into going out there. And the only thing that interested her was being on the frontier of learning new languages and having free reign on how to do that. So maybe our story is, is that with this promotion, she's kind of getting stretched in all sorts of different directions. She's trying, I think at this point, to really embrace everything as much as she can because she's been entrenched in Starfleet for a little while now. So she's kind of used to the discipline. She likes protocol. She enjoys life on a starship at this point. And... I think maybe the goal is to get her back to the heart of hearts, what really matters to her. She loses sight of that for a little while, and she appreciates the life that she's built, but now it's time to get back to basics. And then ultimately, she's got a bigger goal in mind, and the rest of this stuff uh, with Starfleet is actually hindering her ability to do it. Now, one thing that I would love to throw in there because we've only been going for a little over 20 minutes, but I feel like we have our story. Essentially, we've got the bones. We have the bones. I feel like it would be interesting if we added in some personal stuff where maybe on this planet, it's a little bit of like the Cisco syndrome where she goes and she just falls in love with it, where she's just like, this is my home now. Mm. This is where I want to call home. And this is with like Cisco and Bajor. To him, yeah. Bajor was just an alien planet for Cisco. But then he's like, no, I'm going to retire here. I'm going to raise a family here. This is my home. I'll go wherever Starfleet wants me to go. But when I come home, this is home. What if Hoshi becoming a lieutenant commander, it wasn't so much 
it wasn't so much administration work or something as boring as that, where maybe Starfleet was just like, okay, now that you've accepted Lieutenant Commander, you did your work here, and now we need you to move on. We need you to go someplace else. And she's like, oh, no, 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 I need to stay here. I'm not done here. (laughs) Yeah, and so what if it was because of the love of language, because they had so much to teach her, but also because maybe she develops a relationship with somebody? Okay, could totally see that happening. That's a pretty typical kind of a situation, I would think, that that would be a very good reason to stay. I think the main reason is the work. I think definitely the work and the experience and the culture. Maybe it's not even falling in love. Maybe it's developing kinship. Like maybe she finds a group of people who are just as fascinated as she is, where they're like, maybe maybe that group... What if this culture is just as fascinated and entrenched in language as she is? And like, she's found her people. I mean, she's got a complete wealth of knowledge that maybe these people don't know anything about. I mean, she can teach them human languages, Vulcan, Romulan, or whatever. And this is maybe something that they're semi-oblivious to. Maybe this is just a barely warp-capable society. They haven't gone out very far. They don't know all of these people that are out there, so they're mutually fascinated with one another, Mm -hmm. and there's a massive exchange going on here. What if, like, Hoshi, in a way, becomes like an ambassador of sorts to these people? You know, Mm -hmm. it's more than just the job. It's more than just her personal life, but it's just, like, mecca. Yeah, maybe she falls in love with the people and... And she respects the culture. And I like that idea where it's not in Memory Alpha where, you know, she becomes an ambassador. But maybe that's how she leaves Starfleet is to become the first ambassador to this world. So she's still in Federation, but she accepts to become an ambassador with the exception that she will continue to do the work that she's doing. Sure. And her ambassador duties will only be part-time or or, I don't know, something like, I don't know. She has to report to a bad morale once a month (laughs) or something. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. 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 That would be pretty cool. Yeah. And then, I mean, along the way, sure, Hoshi's going to fall in love. She'll meet somebody. But I think it just deep down in her heart, she feels really comfortable, really happy in this place and just flat out doesn't want to leave. And think about when she was on shore leave the person that she really felt attracted to and and actually hooked up with was a person who was just in as much in love with languages as she was. And that's how they connected. They were teaching yeah. each other new languages and he was picking it up just as fast as she was, if not faster. That's right. And this shows more of her personality. Yeah. Is it kind of a... I don't want to say one trick pony, but it's very much the cornerstone of who she is. And the writers definitely explored that and didn't really go outside of that too often. But we're working with what we got. And I think that goes to show how much she's in love with language as well as people who are in love with language. It's just her type. It's who she is. It's what she truly loves. And some people really just are that focused. You know, they find that one thing they gravitate toward in life and then that's it. They own it. They just absorb as much as they possibly can and Everything else only matters so much. This is number one. And for her, it's language. I don't think that's a problem. I don't feel like that's too narrow band for her. I interviewed an individual for work. I'm a video producer, for those of you who don't know. I interviewed a person who is very successful, very successful in her field. She has done crazy amounts of work in social justice. She has been the president of a university. She has been the chair of departments for other schools. And she was even the curator for a museum at the Smithsonian. And she did grad work overseas. 
I could go on and on about her accomplishments and she's just an amazing person. But when I asked her, I said, I was like, you know, like, how would you define yourself? Would you define yourself by your museum time, your time as a president, your time in your studies? And she's like, I am an anthropologist. That is what I am. That is what I do. That has shaped everything that I've connected with in my life. This woman has done so many different things and accomplished so much, but she roots it all the way back to one thing, and that's being an anthropologist and studying anthropology. And that makes me think of Hoshi. She's a linguist. That's who she is. But she can accomplish so many different wild things with just having one profession. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, there we go, folks. Uh, this is a little bit shorter episode for Punch It, but hopefully it was a good one. I mean, we we didn't really have a beginning, middle, and end. We just kind of had an end and worked our way backwards and kind of gave you the bones of it, but hopefully you liked it. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you thought of it. Did we do Hoshi justice? Did we not do her enough justice? Let us know. Go to the nerdparty.com slash contacts. Like Punch It from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can also find us on social media all over the place. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All you got to do is search the Nerd Party or go to the Nerd party.com you can find me personally on twitter at the insane robin and you can find me at oh the profanity and i would love it if our listeners if this sparked their imaginations and they want to fill in even more little details to this story hey let us know exercise your creativity guys Absolutely. And some people have actually written it out and written a script or written a short story off of our ideas. Yes, they have. Amazingly enough. And we are incredibly flattered when that happens. So if you want to do that, please do it. And uh, next week, don't know what we're going to do, but we do know we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.